0: Heavenly Father, we thank you for the freedoms that you give to us in this country to up, publicly, openly gather and worship. Uh, they are freedoms that many of our brothers and sisters do not enjoy this morning. And Lord, would you help us, even as we are thankful for them, to make good use of them. In Christ's name, amen. So, let's head off to our Sunday school and... Uh, for those who are staying in here, since the majority of you, uh, or many of you, have children, uh, Meredith left a huge bowl of candy up front, but she also left Ziploc bags <laughs> so that you can pack it up if you'd rather your children not be jacked on sugar uh, this early in the morning. So, uh, but if someone would, let's uh, look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, and we're covering chapter 30 of Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship, and he's entitled this chapter The Visible Community. So Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, when you have that, if you could read it. Anybody that's got it, just read it out.
1: Also, descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is Himself. Also, He who ascended far above all the heavens, so that He might fill all things. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, So we all attain. To there by labor the trickery and Speaking truth and love, we grow up all and
0: So last week we looked at the Word is embodied. The church is the body of Christ. It's, a, it's, a, it's the language that is used throughout the New Testament of the body being visible in the members of the church. And Bonhoeffer takes this theme and in chapter 30 develops it further and he's trying to draw through Reformation truths. Uh, Remember, Bonhoeffer very much considers himself a reformed theologian. And so he grounds, uh, he, he does a very good study of two areas. One is the visible nature and the other is the communal nature. And so he begins this chapter by saying the body of the exalted Lord is also a visible body in the shape of the church. The body of the exalted Lord is also a visible body in the shape of the church. And Bonhoeffer says this is what differentiates, it's what distinguishes Christianity from a doctrine, from a religion, from a philosophy. That it is the Body, the body of Christ visible in the church that is at the core of what makes Christianity unique. We are baptized into the body. It is the body of Christ jointly fit together. But there's also, when we say the body of Christ, uh, Bonhoeffer would be speaking against this uh, largely American individualism idea uh, that that my relationship uh, can be fostered on the Internet just as easily as it can amongst uh, the people. Uh, one, of, one, of my, one of the sayings that you, I've said a number of times, but uh, certainly dovetails with this, is that when Jesus Christ says, the kingdom of God is in your midst, he means that absolutely literally. He means the kingdom of God is right here in the midst of the church. And it's in our brothers and sisters in the church that we are forced to learn patience, and long suffering and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and meekness and temperance and self-control we're we're forced to learn all these things in the body of Christ as we engage with the body of Christ and and so the the embodied nature of Christ in the church is what Bonhoeffer is wanting to develop here and he uses you know, a community has to be defined by its boundaries. And so those things that make up the boundaries of the church, those things that are of the essence of the church. If you've got a hymnal, you'll find the Belgic Confession on page 866. And I think I forgot to bring one up here. I was going to read it. Let me grab, oh, thank you. So this is standard, plain, vanilla, foundational reform theology. This is this is nothing neo-orthodox, nothing new. Article 29 of the Belgic Confession, on page 866, uh, the entire article is entitled, The Marks of the True Church. And in the third paragraph, it says, The true church can be recognized if it has the following marks. The church engages in the pure preaching of the gospel, It makes use of the pure administration of the sacraments as Christ instituted them. It practices church discipline for correcting faults. So those are the classic reformed three marks of the church. Now, some have divided the sacraments into baptism and the Lord's Supper and have tried to say the three marks are the pure preaching of the word, the uh, administration of baptism and the Lord's Supper, and... In doing so, they kind of place church discipline aside as one of the key marks, but but I just read from the Belgian Confession. This is is what the Reformed churches believe forever, uh, is that these marks are the preaching of the Word, the administration of the sacraments and the Lord's Supper, uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper, and the exercise of discipline. So these are the historic things that define a church. If you want to know what is a church, what is not a church? (laughs) Is is a group of Christians gathered together for fellowship around a fire and reading a book, is that the church church? No, it's a group of Christians engaged in very profitable activity. It's not the church. (laughs) A group of Christians gathered together and encouraging one another and all that sort of thing is a good thing. But the church is where you find the preaching of the word, the sacraments, and the discipline. And so Bonhoeffer speaks a little bit into each of these areas. I love what he says about the preaching of the word. He says... The Word of God seeks a church to take unto itself. And I think if you understand what's going on in the Word of God, if you understand what's going on in the preaching of the Word of God, there's a a powerful spiritual reality. This is why the Reformers used to say, the Word of God faithfully preached is the word of God. Uh, They they placed a very high emphasis on the faithful preaching of the word. And so, when that word is proclaimed, and, and I'll give you a practical example. I long to see people come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. What Christian doesn't. What can I do to accomplish that, saving faith in Jesus Christ. I can preach, but I can't affect how one person hears and another doesn't. I can't do a thing. And, and I think in, in, in a parallel sense, it's like the Lord's Supper. I think as the teaching elder, I stand here and I give the Word of God and some people find it boring, and some people find it convicting, and some people find it glorious, and some people find it academically suspect, and and whatever. Uh, but all I can do is give the Word of God. Uh, and, and I stand there, and it's up to you, in many ways, <laughs> it's up to God, His Spirit working in you, uh, how that Word is applied and how that Word is brought to life in the same way when a ruling elder is passing the Lord's Supper. To one person, he gives the same morsel of bread as he does to another, and one takes it unto damnation, another takes it unto, unto sanctification. Uh, there, There's no ability on my part. It is the word which goes forward and seeks a church to gather unto itself. And, and so... This is kind of the importance of the Word uh, from a, from a reform understanding. It's where the Word of God is preached that it goes forward, but that's not the only thing. The other is the sacraments. And Bonhoeffer says, Baptism and the Lord's Supper belong to the fellowship of the body of Christ alone, whereas the Word is intended not only for believers but for unbelievers. The congregation, therefore, is at its core a baptismal and Eucharistic congregation and only secondarily a preaching congregation. Now, that's a mouthful. (laughs) But what he's saying is, the preaching of the word goes forward to all, believers and unbelievers. But the sacraments belong only to the believer. And so what is at the core of the identity of the church is the discipleship. The baptism into Christ, the discipleship, and the rejoicing of the Lord's Supper. The the Eucharist, the, the, the joy, the joyful proclamation. And that is a helpful thing to understand when you're thinking as a believer, what am I supposed to be getting out of the service? It also, in my mind, is a helpful way of reminding all of us that the sermon, the worship service, is not just prelude to the sermon. The, The worship service is all of us participating in this baptismal and Eucharistic thing called worship. This entire thing from the call to the benediction is baptismal and Eucharistic, and, and the Word engages the church in that way. And it does so specifically, powerfully, in the preaching of the Word. But the reading and the hearing of the Word is itself a means of grace, the baptism, the Lord's Supper. Uh, all of the corporate gathering is essential. Uh And then thirdly is the third mark of the church, which is discipline. Now, Bonhoeffer doesn't like the idea of discipline as we would typically see it. We would say if someone is in egregious sin, unrepentant sin, that it is the duty of the session and the church through the session to declare that person under discipline. Bonhoeffer doesn't touch that. He only touches the issue of heresy. And and so he, he does acknowledge that you gotta draw the line. But Paul draws the line not just with heresy, but also in First Corinthians chapter five, Paul says personal holiness uh, is is a is a factor in in discipline. Um and then I mentioned the, these two things. The first is he focuses on what makes community. The second is on this visible nature of the community. In what way is the church to be visible uh, in the world? In what way does the church is the church seen? And it's interesting that Bonhoeffer uses the words Lebensraum. <laughs> because that was hitler's words. <laughs> when when Bonhoeffer wrote this, it's just after the Nazi party takes power. And I don't think hitler had started u- using leben'sraum until it was after the 36 Berlin Olympics. So anyway, it was it was later on I think that uh, that came into the the Nazi vocabulary, but But it's interesting, the same concept that Hitler had of the state, Bonhoeffer has of the church. We need to live. We need room to expand. We must expand. We must advance. If we don't advance, we die. And so this Lebensraum that the church needs, this this visible expansion that the church needs, Bonhoeffer says is found in two ways. One is, and he goes into a long argument for absolute pacifism, Uh, your identity under the cross means that you must suffer. And so in relation to the church, and I find this ironic, given Bonhoeffer's circumstances, later uh, he believes that it is God's call on him to join the Nazi resistance, the resistance to the Nazis. Uh, But he says... That uh, Paul's concern is that Christians should persevere in repentance and obedience wherever they may be and whatever conflict should threaten them. He is not concerned to excuse or condemn any secular power. That's part of the enigma that's Bonhoeffer (laughs) because that is not the same guy who then publishes the open declaration to the churches. That's not the same guy who then joins the Nazi, the resistance to the Nazi party. And I do think his overemphasis on pacifism is not biblical. Uh, but I do find that intriguing that, that Bonhoeffer has this core value and yet acts in a radically different way. But then, here's where I think Bonhoeffer does bring something that is that is good. In what way is the church visible? He says it's visible specifically in the secular arena. And he says this was Martin Luther. And Remember, Bonhoeffer is a student of Luther. He says this was Martin Luther's true breakthrough. It wasn't so much theological. It was that he realized that the monastic exclusion... The uh, setting oneself apart from the world to pursue righteousness had itself become righteousness. And it had become a way of achieving something. And Martin Luther's core realization was that living that Christian visible community must be done in the context of one's vocation. And so... Bonhoeffer says the otherworldliness of the Christian life ought, Luther concluded, to be manifested in the very midst of the world. Hence, the Christian's task is to live out that life in terms of secular calling. And and so this is the way in which you and I are going to live the visible community. First off, we recognize that it is The community. It's the church. It's all of our complications, all of our, all of our differences, all of our stuff. It's the body of Christ. This is where Christ has said the kingdom is. He said the kingdom is in your midst. And it's in the body of Christ, visible in the church, that you and I are going to know how to engage with Christ. We come in worship, in, in the sacraments, in the recognition that there is discipline in the church, and and that uh, that discipline includes both positive encouragement as well as the unfortunate, or, or sometimes I mean I, I should say when it, it's it's a blessing when we are able to bring the word of God to someone and see a response of repentance and faith, uh, and I have seen that many times. That's something I've had to preach to myself recently. Is uh, I focus too much. <laughs> I focus too much on the times that it all fails. Uh, I don't focus enough on the very promises that I preach, that Jesus says, of all the Father gives me, I will not lose one. We'll raise them up until the last day. Uh, but at any rate, and that's part of discipline. That's part of discipline. So, again, let me, for, for anybody that is, uh, you know, an occasional uh, listener, Bonhoeffer's complicated and Bonhoeffer is not orthodox. <laughs> He's a universalist. He's got a flawed understanding of what the Word of God is versus the testimony to the Word of God and, and all these things. He's a very, very flawed guy. But one of the things I like about him, one of the things I like about this book is how many of us presbyterians how many of us have a tendency to think that worship is the stuff we do leading up to the sermon and the sermon is the lecture from the <clears throat> from the text or something and then we sing and go home <laughs> And one of the things that Bonhoeffer is really concerned with is that if we don't have this existential engagement, if we don't have this this engagement with the Word, the Word preached, the the, the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper, this being our community and us celebrating this uh, on a on a weekly basis, and and recognizing that there is there are boundaries to behavior and to belief. Uh, that that comprise this community, then we take this visible community and we then go into the world and live this community before the world. That's how this whole thing works uh, that Bonhoeffer is laying out in Chapter 30. So with that, I think we've got a few minutes. If anybody has questions or comments, or we can close early. That pretty much, yes, that would exclude a lot of other churches, yes. Yeah, that's a good question. So so what about a church that isn't, so one of the things with the Belgic uh, that I don't know if you picked up when I read it, it's the pure preaching of the word, the pure administration of the sacraments, and the practice of discipline. That purity is not required in discipline. And I don't know if I'm not going to parse the, because it's originally in Latin and et cetera, et cetera, but I just find that intriguing. Um, but that was a big thing for the reformers is is how do we define the purity how do we find, how do we define at what point a place is so impure, like the Anabaptists? They've lost the very concept of sacramentology, but they preach Jesus risen from the dead. Uh, you know, at, at what point do we, do we make these declarations? And really it is a declaration of every individual believer, uh, in some sense, because your conscience is to be bound by the Word of God. So, um, yeah, that, that is... Uh, I think if we can all at least agree on what the target is, that we are seeking pure worship, we're seeking pure sacraments, and we're seeking to practice faithful church discipline, uh, that gives a lot of... Uh, uh, leeway for differences of understanding of how that works out. Uh, I think it's the people that turn the preaching into a joke or a lecture or whatever or the sacraments into you know, shooting you from a water cannon so you can dunk in the baby pool. Uh, they they turn it into just stupidity. Uh, <laughs> We can at least agree on what the bullseye is, then there's a lot of charity for folks that are at least going in the same direction. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. And it's one that I think a lot of good churches... Uh, I'll repeat it here in a second. Uh, I think a lot of good churches miss is the Word of God alone is the standard for our belief and action. Uh, and there are many communities that either... Well, in in one way or another, they use society and ever-changing morals of society to define what is righteous and unrighteous. So when I was a child, having a beard, having your hair touch the top of your ears meant that you were a hippie, uh, meant that you were worldly. Playing cards meant that you were worldly. Smoking and drinking was worldly. Uh and, and that was my understanding of sort of what a Christian was, was somebody that did not do all those things. Uh, and I would say today there's many that would define worldly from a completely different perspective so that to be a Christian is to vote this way or do this or do that or do the, instead of just, <laughs> here's our standard, God's Word. Uh, I think, I think we always have a, danger of falling away from that soul standard. Yeah, the word of God alone, (laughs) which is the doctrine of the Reformation, solo scriptura. But, okay, good questions, uh, but let me close in prayer. Uh, Also, just, I'll I'll repeat the same announcement I made at the beginning. Uh, My wife and I brought a lot of candy, uh, but also we brought a lot of Ziploc bags if parents would like to stuff said candy into Ziploc bags, or you can let your children jack up on sugar and be in control of them. Your call. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the Bride of Christ, the visible church, uh, the, the body made visible. And even as we are called to love her, to grow in her, to understand patience and endurance and faithfulness and self-control and all those things through the ways in which we are sharpened by one another. Uh, I pray that you would give us that love for your word and that love for the word made visible in your people. Uh, In Christ's name, amen.